0: reminder of the Father's love for us. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open them up to Luke chapter 2, continue our study in that gospel, and then continue our study that we really began last week with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus there at the temple. Luke chapter 2, read from verses 36 through 38. Let's hear God's word together. grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it stands forever. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come now to to this word, Lord, we're reminded that as we read this truth, as we read the the very words of God, of that love that, that you really and truly do have for us, that you have not left us in the dark, you have not left us to our own devices, but you have given us sure guidance. You've given us your Son. And so we pray that that you would be pleased to to work in our hearts today by the power of your spirit. Lord, I can't teach these words in a way that that would penetrate to our hearts. We don't need to hear my opinions. We don't need to hear the words of a man. Lord, we long, we need to hear from you today. And so we pray that, that you might do that. We pray these things in the name of our Savior. Amen. Faithful service. That's the the name of our sermon this morning and with that in mind I want to ask really what is a fairly simple question. What is faithful service? Many of you are business owners. Some of you have spent time in the military and all of us at this point I imagine have worked enough jobs in our lives that we could probably give an answer or at least an opinion on what it means to be faithful in service, right? For some, that, that may mean excelling in a particular position, maybe being the best, the best salesman, the best engineer, the best teacher that you can be. For others, it may mean excelling in a lot of different things, right? Not only being the best teacher that you can be, but maybe also being the head of clubs, working in the central office, doing a lot of different things well. Still, for others, faithful service may mean just simply rising through the ranks, right? Not only are you a teacher, but you're also an assistant principal, and then later you're a principal, right? I think I've told you my my grandfather was a master sergeant in the Air Force. And so that took 30 years of faithful service for him to rise to that rank, okay? So faithful service, it might be any of these things, and I think there's truth in all of them. But you know, when you look in the paper. When you go to companies' websites and you see the people that that they are honoring for for their time in the company, usually it's not the people that, that excelled at many things. Usually it's not even the people who were the best at maybe what they did. Sometimes it is, but not always. It's not always the ones who moved up highest in the company. Usually it's the ones who faithfully have shown up day after day and have done their jobs well, right? I told them this morning, my family has figured out one of the perils of being related to a pastor is that all of our lives are open, they're fair game for use at any moment. And so the boys, they, I come home, and like, why did you tell that? And Renee, I get in trouble with Renee a lot for things that I tell. But today I'm going to tell you a story about my dad. And he was here at the first service, so it was kind of awkward, but... Um, it's not really an awkward story, it's just weird to watch him. But you know my dad, he, he worked at Cooper Tire for 31 and a half years. And he worked in material prep, and it was hard work. Uh, he worked rotating shifts, uh, he would come home most nights and he would be as black as this Bible. Uh, he would look like he had eyeliner on his eyes from where he would work on night. And he had to get in the shower and just try to get himself cleaned up. And I'll be honest with you, it was, it was hard work, but it was also not easy circumstances. There were lots of times where I saw him go to work, and most people would have thrown their hands up and say, I'm not going to do this. They, they would have quit. They would have given up. But he didn't do that. For, for 31 and a half years, he, he went to work. And look, he was very good at what he did. He excelled. He even moved up to some degree or another. But when they honored him at his retirement, it wasn't for the way that he had excelled at any one particular thing. Now it was for the fact that for 31 and a half years, he showed up. He went to work every day, even when it was hard, even when it was messy, he went to work. Now to me, that's faithful service. It's showing up even when you don't want to. It's doing your job well, even when nobody's looking. And it's sticking it out, even when it would be a lot easier to say, you know what, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Well, all of that to say that in our passage this morning, we, we come across a lady whose life was a lot like that, this prophetess Anna. Though hers was certainly a challenging, difficult life, a life that probably would have caused many to throw their hands up and say, I'm out, I'm not going to do this anymore. She, she doesn't do that. She dedicates herself to a faithful life of service to God. And what we're going to see by the end of this story is that she, all of that service, it doesn't go unnoticed, right? She receives the reward that awaited not only her, but that awaits all of God's children that serve him faithfully as she did. Now, you'll remember that when we left off last week, Mary and Joseph, they were at the temple. They had gone there according to God's law to take sacrifices for Mary's uncleanness, to bring sacrifices for Jesus and to present him, to consecrate him there to God's service as the firstborn son. And you remember their first encounter was with that man Simeon, right? And Simeon was a devout man. He was faithful and he had it had been revealed to him by the power of the Spirit that, that he would not pass away that he would not depart until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so as he holds Jesus in his arms, he looks down into the face of his Savior and he says, Lord, you are now allowing me to depart in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation, right? And we said that's true for for all of God's children. We can depart in peace because we have seen the Lord's salvation. But not only did he say that, But as he's speaking to Mary, he also gives us a glimpse of what Jesus' life would ultimately be like, right? He says this Jesus had come for the rise of many, but also for the fall of many. That he would be a sign opposed, that he would reveal the hearts of all men and women. And so not only is he that salvation, but but to so many he's also that stumbling block. Paul says that the gospel that we preach is an aroma of life to some also an aroma of death to others and so for those who don't repent Jesus is is something to be feared right but the simple fact is is that there is no middle ground with him you're either with him or you're against him right that's what he says those words there's no middle ground with Jesus well obviously it's already been an eventful time there in the temple for them But then then it says at that very hour, Anna, she kind of comes on to the scene. And like Simeon, we don't know a whole lot about Anna uh, other than what we see here in the text. But there's several things that that I want to point out to you this morning in the time that we have left. First, I want you to notice that the challenge of faithful service, the challenge of faithful service, you see that in verses 36 and then in 37, a Now we read in those verses that Anna's life began fairly normally, right? says that that she is born the daughter of Phineul of the tribe of Asher, and probably at a fairly young age, you know, think back to Mary, uh, what we said about her, she was married, probably in her teens, right? And so her life was probably what she had expected it to be at that point. It was what a Jewish girl would have expected from her life. But then, fairly quickly, tragedy strikes, right? We read there that she's married for seven years and her husband passes away. Again, that means at a young age, probably her early 20s, this Jewish girl is left with not a whole lot of prospects, right? She's left with not a whole lot of real hope for the future. And so we could expect her to, to, to have doubts and fears. You know, I don't have to tell you how, how difficult this must have been for her. It's difficult in any time, it's difficult in any culture to lose a, a spouse, to lose someone that you love, but it was especially difficult in this one. And so again, we can imagine the temptations, we can imagine the hardships she must have endured, the trials she must have faced moving forward in her life, and how easy it would have been for her to, to throw up her hands. Say, Lord, I, I can't do this. To despair, to turn her back on God. How easy it would have been to, to say this is too much. You know, you think about Naomi at the end of Ruth chapter 1, right? Remember, they've come back to Bethlehem. And they, they greet her, and she says, don't, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Right? Her, her, she's lost her family, and she's had more than she can stand. She, she's, she's done with it all. Think about Job in the middle of that book. You know, we have a pretty good image of Job, but the reality of the situation is after chapter 2, Job is not a happy camper. He is upset about the things that are happening in his life, and he is wanting some answers, big time. We could imagine that, that Anna might be in that position. At the very minimum, we might expect her to say, Lord, what good am I to you? How can I serve you, a young Jewish girl? How, what good can I be to the kingdom of God? At this point in my life, what can I do? Now look, before we move on to the next point, I imagine many of us have felt this way at some point in our lives. There, there's probably someone here today who, who feels that way now. Life has been hard There's been trials and temptations. Things have not gone the way that you expected them to. And we feel inadequate. We feel overwhelmed. We feel like we have very little to give to God and to give to his kingdom. If that's you this morning, I want you to notice what what Anna does next here. We've seen the the challenges of, of faithful service. But secondly, I want you to see persevering in faithful service. And you see that in verse 37. As hard as these things were, as tempting as it may have been, Anna, she doesn't turn inward. She doesn't simply shut down. She doesn't allow her difficult circumstances to dictate the rest of her life. Instead, she dedicates herself to God, right? She dedicates herself to serving him however she can. And you read that in the second part of verse 37. It says she did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Instead of running away from God, her trials pushed her to God. Her difficulties caused her to worship. I want to be careful here. I don't want to minimize the the pains, the trials that we encounter in life because they're very real and most of us know that all too well. And the reality is, is that God, as Mr. Shelby has reminded us, the Father loves us way too much to simply gloss over, to simply dismiss our pain. He sees every bit of it and he cares and he loves us. But the reality is, is he often gives us these trials so that we will learn to respond as Anna does here, so that we will learn to live in dependence on him, not on ourselves, not of this world, but dependence on him. He's refining our faith. That's what the New Testament says, right? These things are meant to cause us to constantly fall before him, to constantly seek his face and far from disqualifying us for service you know we said that Anna might have said well I, I don't have anything to offer here but far from disqualifying us it's these trials that often make us the prime candidates to serve our king right think back to what we've already seen in the book of Luke You think about Mary and Joseph maybe the two most unlikeliest people who could have been the parents of our Lord you think back to, to Elizabeth and Zachariah Think back to the, the, who the angels appeared to, very, the very first. Shepherds out in the fields. We've seen all along the way that our God delights to use even those who by the world's standards are the lowest, are the weakest, are the unlikeliest of candidates, right? He delights, he loves to use his people. And so no matter your circumstances, no matter your abilities, No matter the extent of your knowledge, if you are resting in Jesus today, then, friends, he has called you to faithful service. He's called you to faithful service. Now, the question is, is what does that service look like? And that's the third point that I want to make. I want us to see here the tools, the tools God has given us for faithful service. And again, you see that in that same verse, 37b. Uh, again, let me read it to you. It says that, that she went to the temple to worship and that she did not depart fast, uh, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Now, first thing Anna does is she goes and she worships. Now, again, that, that may seem like a small thing. But according to our catechism, what is the chief end of man? It's to glorify God, to enjoy him forever, right? It's to worship to worship with all of our lives, everything that we are, but it's especially true here. As we are gathered together with the body of Christ, what we do here is worship, right? As we sing these songs of praise, as we observe the sacraments, the means of grace, as we hear his word proclaimed, as we edify and encourage one another, he has called us to worship. And as we do those things... God is declaring to an unbelieving world, we are declaring to an unbelieving world that he is worthy. That he is worthy of our lives, that he is worthy of our praise, that we can pause during the week and praise our God because he is worthy of it. Friends, let's don't take for granted what we do here. We just came through a year where, where, for a good portion of the year, we were not able to meet together. We're not able to be here. Let's not take for granted the fact that God has given us this great privilege. Let's not take for granted the fact that he chooses to meet with us, that he longs to be with us, that he, he, he loves to be with us. What a thought that is, that God would come to a bunch of sinners That he be pleased to reside with us, to speak to our hearts, to show us the truth of who he is. And so, Anna, she, she worships. That's her first tool of faithful service. But secondly, notice that she worships with fasting and with prayer. Now, I know that, that fasting, it seems to be a lost art in our culture, but it's one that, that we see so often in Scripture, and it's probably one that we should take more seriously than what we do. But, but fasting is what? It's just basically self-denial, right? It's, it's putting ourselves aside and keeping our eyes focused on God, on who He is. And of course, we know that He has called us over and over again to pray. Now, the world, it would look at those things, prayer and fasting, and what would they say about them? I'm going to say, that's, that's useless, right? So There's not much point to, to anybody doing that. It's just a waste of time. And so we know that the world would surely mock that. But can I confess to you today that, that as I look at my own heart, I wonder if I don't feel that same way. You know, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it in those words. But as I consider, and I'm the pastor, as I consider my own lack of prayer, as I consider my own lack of setting myself aside, my own self-denial, seems to suggest that I do feel that way about these things. And again, it's not just me, it's the church as a whole. Think about Christianity today. Think about how churches have to be so busy doing a million different things, right? We have to have special programs to reach the lost, to bring people in Programs for children and youth and seniors and couples you have to have committee meetings and session meetings and, and deacons meetings. And look, all of those things are necessary and some of them are really good things. But the reality is, is the one thing that none of us seem to have any time or patience for is prayer. None of us seem to want to really do that. Now look, I'm about to step on my own toes as much as I am y'all's. We have a service here under normal circumstances called prayer meeting every Wednesday night. How much actual time do we spend in that meeting in prayer? Maybe 10, 15 minutes if I get long-winded, right? If I just can't stop. How much time are we committing ourselves to praying as a group, corporately, as a body of Christ? Deacons, session members... How much time are you spending in prayer together, but also individually? Sunday school classes, women's groups, youth, and whoever, individually. Are we holding each other up before the Lord? Are we holding our church, our nation? Friends, if there's ever been a time to hold our nation up to the Lord, it is right now. Are we doing that? But the truth is, is the Bible assures us that our greatest weapon... Our greatest tool in this battle that we face is prayer. From what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17? He says, pray without ceasing, right? Again, in Philippians 4.6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication make your requests known to God. And what happens? The peace, the peace that passes understanding will fill your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself, in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, he says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And then again, in in First Timothy, as we think about our nation, all of the events of this week, listen to what Paul calls Timothy to do. He says, "First First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. How is it that we live a quiet and peaceful life, godly and dignified in every way? It's not by taking matters into our own hands. It's not by doing things our way. not by looking to people in positions of power and expecting them to bail us out. No, it's by getting on our knees in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving before the Lord. trusting that he will deliver us from all of these things. Friends, we will never be what God has called us to be until we are a people of prayer. I told him this morning, one of the first people that I really got to to visit with when I first started working at the church was Miss Nell Henson. And uh, when I got to know Miss Nell, she was already in pretty bad shape. Uh, She was in a hospital bed in her living room. She couldn't do a whole lot. And I'd go visit with her. And one day I said, "Miss Nell, how are you doing? She said, I'm fine. She said, but Stephen, I don't know why God has left me here. She said, all I do is I sit in this bed and I pray for our church all day long. I said, "Miss Nell, that's exactly why God has left you here. For me and for probably many of y'all, she was doing the battle. She was fighting it, right? She was on the front lines fighting the battle for God's people. Are we doing that? Are we using the tools of faithful service that God has given us? Here's the real question. Is Do we believe that they are sufficient? Do we believe that they are enough for us? I think we all will stop and pray. But do we think it works? Do we think that it's worth it, or do we think we've got to do that and then we got to do a whole bunch of other things to make it work? It's not what God says. He says, "Bow before me in prayer. Bring your anxieties, bring your worries, bring it all to me, and I'm going to take care of it." Are we using the tools that God has given us? Well. We've seen the challenge to, pers- uh, to faithful service. We've seen persevering in faithful service. We've seen the tools of faithful service. And then fourthly and finally, I want you to see the reward of faithful service. And you see that in verse 38. Now again, I want you to consider the, the time frame that we're considering here of Anna's life. You know, she's, she's widowed at, in her probably early 20s, and it says there until 84 This was the pattern of her life. So probably 60-ish years, this was the pattern that that she lived by. And again, it could have been easy for her to be discouraged, to be distressed, to be downtrodden. But what we see in Anna is somebody whose passion, somebody whose longing for God, only seemed to grow through the years. You know, you see this so often in those saints who have walked with God faithfully for many years. I think about Miss Willard this morning. She has walked, she's 97 years old, right? And she has walked with God for the majority of that time. And her passion, her love, her longing to see Jesus has only grown even in the time that I've known her. That lady longs to see her king. And there's two reasons why that happens because the closer you get to Jesus first, the more you're going to see your sin. And we're going to see how bad it is, and the more you're going to long to be released from it. The second reason is that the closer you get to Jesus, the more you see his beauty. And the more you want to live in that presence, the more you want to cling to it. That's what David says in uh, Psalm 27 and in verse 4. He says, it's on the top of your page, actually. He says, One thing I've asked of the Lord. That will I seek after. Now look, this is David, a man after God's own heart, the king, who could have asked God for probably anything, but this is what he asked. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Friends, I wonder today, what are we looking for when this life is over? You know, Anna, she was looking for the king. She longed to see the beauty of the Lord. What, what do we expect to find in heaven? And you know, we were talking after church, several of us, last Sunday. And, you know, it's funny, you hear people say, well, I hope, heaven, I hope there's fishing in heaven, or I hope I can eat donuts, all the donuts I want to in heaven. And look, there's nobody in this room except maybe Lee who would want to fish for all of eternity and eat donuts. I don't know if you like donuts, but want to eat donuts for all of eternity more than me. Right? But if that's what our hope is, if that's what we're longing for, then friends, we've missed the prize. We've missed the truth of the gospel. Because for every Christian, the reward of heaven is simply and gloriously seeing our Savior face to face. Think about Miss Pam. She closed her eyes Sunday. Sunday. She opened them to the face of Jesus. We will be able to do what Moses, what no man has ever been able to do. Behold God's glory. With unveiled faces, we will be able to see our king. Now look, Anna, she, she gets the opportunity, just a portion of that As she looks at baby Jesus, she gets to see the glory of the Lord. And we even get to see that now through faith. We get to see a portion of that, right? But there is a time coming where we will be whole, we will be sinless, and we will live in the presence of our King forever and ever. Y'all know sometimes I'm partial to those old Baptist hymns that I grew up on, and it made me think of this one. You'll appreciate this, Dr. Long. You know, when we all get to heaven, right? Y'all know that hymn. Listen to verse 3. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day, right? Faithful service to the king. Just one glimpse of him in glory will the tolls of life repay. Just one glimpse of him in glory. Verse 4. Onward to the prize before us. Soon his beauty will behold Then the chorus is when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all, not fish, not eat donuts, when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory, right? That's what Anna does. She sees Jesus and she sings and she shouts the victory to anybody who will listen, right? It just says she just starts yelling it to anybody who's around, anybody who cares to hear the truth of the gospel. Friends, I want to conclude by asking a simple question. We started that way. We're going to end that way. Maybe several simple questions. What what are you looking for? Are you, like Anna, faithfully serving God today, no matter your circumstances, no matter the trials that God has placed in your life? If so, what are you looking forward to? Are you like David longing to see the beauty of the Lord you longing to serve him in his temple this this is the hope it's the hope of all who are resting in Christ that is the sure confidence that allows us to faithfully walk through weeks that we've walked through it's the sure hope that allows us to faithfully serve him day after day as thanks be to God for his grace and his mercy to us through Jesus Christ our Lord, who not only calls us to faithful service, but who also equips us for faithful service and who has promised to get us safely home. Let's pray together. Father, as we consider this story of your servant Anna, how we thank you for the life that she lived, for that faithful testimony that she has given to us, and we have all been blessed to know so many here in our church maybe in our personal lives who have lived that way, and we thank you for that. But Father, we pray as, as those who have put our hope and our trust in Christ, Lord, we pray that, that you would make us faithful people. Lord, it's so easy in the world that we live in to, to look to our own idols, look to our own hearts, look to this world, get distracted by all the things that we see, and to take our eyes off of our Savior. And so we pray that, that whether it's through tearing down these idols like you've been doing for, for months now, whether it's, it's through the, the edification, the, the kind words of others, whether it's through our study of your, of your word to us, we pray that, that you would show us how we can serve you, no matter our circumstances, no matter our trials, serve you faithfully. And Lord, we pray that we would be a people who are using those tools that you have left us, especially worship, especially prayer. Lord, help us to, to bow before you and to, to unload our hearts. Lord, what, that's an amazing thought, that, that you would allow us to come and to unload whatever it is, to yell and scream, to cry, to, to rejoice, to laugh. We can do all of that in your presence because you are our Father. And you long to hear from your children, but even more than that, you're God, and you can take it all. And so, Lord, help us. Give us that longing to just be still before you, to hear from you that you may transform our lives. And, Lord, we surely do praise you for the reward that that we look forward to, that Jesus is the one who is at the end of this race. And that is the greatest thing that we could possibly imagine, seeing our Savior and resting him for all of eternity. Lord, we, we praise you. We thank you for all of this in the name of our Savior. Amen.